Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live.
your volume down some. Okay. And um, I'm going to do two more, and then after that, I wish I could turn that sound off.
joined together in your name, even though that we are not in the same room, because you are everywhere. So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to do this. Lord, you are so fortunate that we can take time to prepare ourselves for what's ahead, that you don't just require us just to know it. You tell us, you teach us, you instruct us here a little, there a little, line upon line, from glory to glory. You take us in steps, one step at a time. So, Lord, we're asking that you guide us today, that you teach us today, that you grow us today. We're opening our hearts up to you, Lord God. We're opening our ears. We're opening our minds. We're, we're willingly ready, Lord God, to receive whatever it is that you have. And, Lord, help me to decrease as you increase, Lord God. Give me the words, Lord God, the way you gave them to me, and let me not um, deviate from them even slightly. Lord, we ask that you um, show us, in your own way, Lord God, what that special, special lesson is for us to have today. Lord God, I pray for an endowment of power. I pray, Lord God, that you would fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would flow through me. And as you do, Lord God, I pray that I'm able to take notes and listen and learn myself, Father God. For I'm not teaching from the perspective of my experience. I am taking this exactly from what you said. So I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you so much for what you're planning to do in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory. Amen. All right, so today's devotion for this week is called, I I took this title from a a movie that I saw years ago. It was called The Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman. And it was a movie I watched, I think I was a teenager or just beyond a teenager. And what it was is it was, the story was about a blind man who was blinded as a result of his time in uh, serving in the military. And before then, he was, you know, a brass kind of a person. He loved life. He loved women. He loved uh, dancing and, and drinking. And, and he just was just full of beautiful guile, really. (laughs) But he thought because he could no longer see that he could not appreciate life as he had before. He couldn't appreciate things that he took for granted before, you know, driving, seeing uh, the beauty that was around him, and it angered him, and he became bitter, and he became um, incorrigible, and no one could do anything with him. Um. I'm not going to tell you the whole entire premise of the story, and um, unfortunately it was rated R, I believe, so there was language and there was, you know, some things in it that are unsettling, but at the base of the story, it was hard not to connect with someone who thought that because one part of his body wasn't working, that his life was no longer viable, because something, because he was disappointed, because he didn't have things the way they were before. And so the scent of a woman is what, the one sense that he had appreciated because it was now, uh, it was extended now. It was accentuated now that he couldn't see. He could really smell. So he could pretty much tell from a, a woman what kind of soap she used, what scent it was, if it was roses or if it was lilac. And he was super great at it, and he loved it to be able to wow a woman by telling her exactly what type of, you know, perfume she wore. So today... We're going to talk about the scent of a woman from a biblical perspective, keenly and, and mainly because 
the main title of our group, the Esther Project, which is a, a, a appreciation of the beauty that you are, coupled with an appreciation for God's purpose in marriage. So Queen Esther, we take her name as, we're, we're, we take this group, as, we take her name as our, our, I can't get my words together. Let me take a second. <sighs> okay, let me just stop and check to see if anybody's on the call so far. That's good. All righty, so I'm good with this. And I have, um, as I was saying, we're taking Esther's name, so she's kind of primary because what I noticed when I was not married, that in the story of Esther, Esther, you know, you know her story, how she was um, taken to the palace along with several other women so that she could possibly be selected by the king to be the next queen. And a lot of us had that same mentality. Will I be selected? Will I be the next, you know, will I be a bride? Will I be a wife? Who will select me? And will I be good enough? And even though we can sometimes think this is all very spiritual and we do have our souls involved with our emotions and the decisions that we make, it is it has a lot to do with our bodies as well. So scent has a purpose, though. Sometimes we tend to um, look at the commercials for perfumes and we go into these places and, and the first thing you come into a department, so the first department is the perfume section a lot of times, you know, or it's at the center. And there's a purpose for that, where they place the perfume counter, um, the appeal of it, and how that scent permeates either throughout the store if it's in the center, but if it's in the mall, they want it toward the front so it can permeate through the mall and draw you in. Now, there's a scripture that I that, that's always fascinated me, and it is in the book of, let me get my other page, book of Proverbs, chapter 27. I'm going to read it to you because, or you can read it yourself. This used to kind of fascinate me. And, you know, it took, it, 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 when I think about it really hard, what do you want, verse, verse 9. Yeah. That's it. I wonder if I lay this on top of my keyboard and let it mess it up. No, I think it's good. I'm sitting on the floor today. I don't know if that was my best idea. <laughs> Huh? No, I just have, this is my library. Well, it's my bookshelf, one of them. I need another one because, look, you can't even see the books behind this. Anyway, um, no, I just put that on the floor because I'm trying to get better lighting, you know, kind of sitting closer to the, the window. Good. The lighting's good. The lighting's good. The lighting's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to take the rock like I did last week because I didn't want you to think, okay, here's Grandma. <laughs> I wouldn't think that. But you the yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I gave you that one. Okay, so Proverbs 27, verse 9, used to kind of make me smile and wonder at the same time. It says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And the pleasantness, pleasantness of one's friends springs from his earnest counsel. Now, what amazed me about that scripture is that you would think that 
perfume, which is something that is external and something that is tangible, it brings joy to your heart. What does your heart have to do with perfume? So actually, if you think about it, when you uh, find a perfume that you really like, that you really love, and you wear it, you, you really love how it smells. You love how you feel when you're walking into the room and you smell that scent or, or it, that scent is in your sheets when you wake up in the morning and that's the first thing you smell or when you climb into bed at night and, and you smell that smell after you've got the shower and you, you smell that rose or that lilac or that jasmine or whatever that you like. I, I personally like the older, not older, the classic clean fragrances of flowers. I, I'm more of a floral person. But it's amazing how scent makes you remember things like one scent may make you remember your grandmother and the scent that she wore. It may make you remember your favorite teacher or, or something like that. And so it does have an impact on how you feel. I know that when you smell bad, that has an impact on how you feel. <laughs> and it happens to us all. At one point or another, we all smell bad or we would never bathe. <laughs> right. But it also has an impact on others when you smell bad. So you can actually smell bad from perfume. And so that will come from, naturally, we are ladies of some experience, and we know that comes from a couple of things. One, either being dirty and putting the perfume on top of that dirt, as if that was going to help things. Another would be if you just, you know, it's a scent that it doesn't mix well with you. There is a reason why... Once upon a time, when you went to a department store to buy perfume, they would spray it on you. They don't do that too much anymore. Now they spray it on little cards or little tabs or a little wooden stick. But they know something that we don't know. They know that that perfume will smell pretty true to its chemistry when you put it on something inanimate. But if you put it on a human being, that same perfume will smell different on every person who wears it. So if you try it and you don't like it on you, you won't buy it. But if you try it on one of those little sticks or one of those little paper cards, you will love it and you keep smelling it and smelling it and you go, oh, oh, I just, I love this. Oh, oh, and you take it home with you or whatever you want to do and you come, I'm going to buy this. But don't get it because you may put it on yourself and you can't stand it. Uh-huh. And that's what they... They know that, so they know you'll buy it faster if you buy it just by smelling it on something besides you or you smell it on someone else. Oh, I smell, my, my, my teacher had the best perfume. I asked her what it was, and she said it was something called blah, blah, whatever. And you go and you buy it, and it is just, and I have done that. I have bought a perfume that someone told me what it was, and I loved it, you know, not knowing it was their body chemistry. And, I mean, I'm going somewhere with this. You may wonder, what's this got to do with marriage? We're going somewhere. We're always going somewhere. So I went and bought it and paid for it. You know, I didn't mind paying for something that was that was good, you know, something that, oh, my goodness, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and I kept trying. I said, let me let me try it on a, on a different day and maybe a different soap I'll use first. And, oh, I couldn't stand it. It was too musky. It, it was too earthy. It it was too, too much herb. But on her, it was awesome. It was warm. It was inviting. It was, you know, but on me, it was just, I smelled like medicine. So that didn't do me good. So 
the key thing in finding a scent is finding one that you love on you, one that you don't mind wearing. Here's one of my favorites, which, as you can see, is gone now. It's called uh, Azure, and I'm putting this out there because this perfume was created by a teenager. I think she was 12 or 13 when she created this scent. This is her little business. Her name is, this is her name, Azure. It, it just means blue, I think. Um, and A-Z-U-R-E, and I love it very, very much. It's gone. But I wanted to plug, give her that little plug, and I'm not going to call it shameless. I did it on purpose because she gave that to me. And I thought that was very sweet of her, you know. I tried it and intended to buy it, and she was at a conference, and I didn't get to buy it that day. So I said, well, one day I'm going to go on her website and just order it. Well, she she started doing a TV show, and she's very uh, enterprising. And she um, had a little contest when she first started her little Twitter or Facebook page or whatever that was. And she said, the first person to respond, I will send. And so I was the first person to respond. And so she sent it. So... I got it, still loved it from when I smelled it and used the whole thing up. And I won't put a bottle away because I want to remind myself to get another one, but I'm not a, a big perfume person for two reasons. One, perfume can be, can send the wrong message as well. And there's a couple things I want you to know about perfume. One, it brings joy to your heart if it's right, if it's the perfume that you love, it's a, if it's about you, if it's if it represents you, if it's warm like you are, if it's sweet like you are, if it's, you know, floral and, and social like you are, it should speak to who you are, not just to something that you smelled on someone else. Now, there's a couple other scriptures I want to show you. I want to show you song, the Song of Solomon, and I want to look at chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, while the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. Perfume has a way of leaving a note, leaving a signature. People will know that you're there. Now, in the case of Esther, where they spent six months with oil of myrrh and six months of perfume, six months they, 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 they did this beauty regime. And you have to think about what was the purpose of that and why that was so important. It's because some of these women were coming from working in the fields their whole lives. These girls were not um, pampered like that. So they worked in dirt. They worked with animals. They worked in the hot sun. So their skin was rough and their skin was, was you know, dry a lot of times. And they were in need of some serious treatment. Now, if you have a lot of rough, dead skin, it's going to take a while to exfoliate that old, dead, hard skin off. Calluses that need to be removed. And something, the, the best thing that works sometimes is oil, and, and that's what they have provided. And you see how long it took. They didn't just want them to be beauty for the moment. They wanted them to be able to go before the king and have that fragrance spread. Now, fragrance alone doesn't last very long. It has a tendency to evaporate. But fragrance mixed with oil has a tendency to, to, to linger and stay, and it lasts longer. So when you go into a place, it is known, oh, I can tell that so-and-so was here because, her, I can smell her perfume. Now, that could be one of two things. That could mean one, it was too strong. <laughs> or it could mean that it was just enough where they know, oh, okay. So as a queen, you, this Esther was one before she was queen, but, but the goal of 
of, of them doing this was so that when the queen came into the room, everyone knew it was the queen. They knew it before they saw her. Her fragrance would fill the room. Um, when she sat at the table with her king, no matter how long the table was, as it says here, her perfume would spread its fragrance. And since we know from, from the first scripture we looked at that fragrance has a way of bringing joy to the heart, he was glad that his queen was present. He was glad that she was in the room. He was glad she was there. It also has another purpose, whereas if you're someplace you have no business, <laughs> you know, let's see what it was about adultery. You know the queen was there, right? So it, 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 they, have, they had different purposes for doing different things. And I can't speak to all those purposes as history has denied us the ability to know everything that they did and why. We can only presume to understand based on how the fact that people are still people wherever you go. And a lot has changed and a lot really has not. But you never want to wear a perfume that is so loud that everybody knows that you're there. You want it to be where those who are close to you can recognize that. Now, your number one sense should be one that denotes that you're clean. It should be one that, that speaks to that you care about yourself. You're not going to be confident if you come into a place and you're all sweaty and you're, you know, tired, you haven't had a chance to take a shower. You're going to kind of shrink back from from talking to people and being around people, right? You're going to be, oh, I'm a little musty today. I, I just worked out. I just, you know, <sighs> I had to do a lot to get here, and now I'm all... You know, and, and we know as women, we can just go and, and freshen up, as we say, go into the restroom, and we can take care of, of things if there's a problem. But I'm more speaking about the pleasant side of things, the scent of a woman, and why was this so significant? Why does the Bible record this? I want to look at another place in Ecclesiastes. You can just flip over back. Just flip over to your left, to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I got that from my pastor, telling you which direction to turn to be. <laughs> And here's one that kind of blew my mind, too, when I first saw this, you know, some years ago. Verse 1 says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. This is the spiritual side of this thing. We're using perfume in this lesson and even in the scripture we see as an analogy, whereas perfume is something that's supposed to be pleasant and wonderful, but it can be spoiled. A woman's personality and her heart and her demeanor is supposed to be pleasant and wonderful, just as perfume is. But it can be spoiled. And we have to be very careful about what we allow into our lives and what we allow to change us. Because we do change. We do change for for better or for worse. We do change. And marriage is something that um, I used to hear women say things like, oh, you don't know you're not married. I have found and discovered that marriage is, true marriage is something only a godly woman understands. Because I I had varying opinions of what marriage was before I got married. And all these things kind of compiled into make sure you know how to cook and a, a good wife cleans well, a good wife handles the, fu- the money well, a good wife does this. And they have all these lists of things, which I did all those things before I got married. One thing I didn't do before I got married was the sex thing. I stayed away from the sexy stuff because that was that was the no-no. But I also learned that before marriage not to make strong connections with men, even in friendship, because those connections can be very difficult to break off. 
And, you know, in high school, you know, it was cool. You know, they had like four or five guys and we're all a, a, a group, we're a crew. That was one thing. But as you start to get older, you realize that's not wise because you can form attachments that are not supposed to be. And sometimes with the way we are as women, we can form attachments a lot sooner than men do. So you'll have feelings for a man and he won't have them for you. You know, we're all friends. We're all together. We're all just a group. And you start liking all the things you see about this guy or that guy, and you appreciate his kindness to you, and you see him making an effort to um, help you out, and you can start taking that as signals. So it's best to not allow yourselves. There's a reason why in in the Old Testament the women pretty much stayed with the women and the men stayed with the men. The women and men did not interact not because one was better than the other, as it was often commonly interpreted and even practiced, but because we tend to form attachments that are not healthy. And it's hard to break those off when you do get married. I did have one friend that was a Christian brother who was an amazing uh, man. He was moral. He was, um, I mean, we, we, we would pray together. And, and, and the, the beauty of that relationship is that there were boundaries. He truly was a brother, and we knew we were mature enough to know how not, how not to overstep those bounds. So if we had an issue or concern, we would make it a matter of prayer, not a matter of having long, ongoing conversations. However, when he became engaged, I pulled back immediately. You know, he was having some, some trouble with his fiance at the time because she was starting to be unsure, she wasn't certain, blah, blah, blah. So we fasted together. And I think that was the last time that we, you know, once everything worked out and, and she did say yes, um, then I was able to pull back and pray from a distance. And he got married, he's still married, and that was some years ago. But his wife is wonderful, they're, they're, they're having a wonderful life. But I had enough sense to, to know to respect her because of our right. enemy, the right. enemy of our souls, you know. And I did not want to... Um, to, to stick with our analogy, I did not want him to come home and the scent of my perfume is in the car, if you know what I mean. Because even though nothing happened, I'm just being a friend, it speaks something that is not intended to, to, to say because I shouldn't have been there. You know what I'm saying? At least it, I could see if my car, you know, broke down and, and here's my old brother, I can depend on him, blah, blah, blah. But if I'm not a sister to him and to her, then that family relationship needs to be more of a distance. So, Folly is what it's talking about in this verse, that a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So just being a little bit silly, like, well, look, that's my friend. We've been friends for years. I don't see what the problem is. She stopped being so jealous. But see, that's folly. That's foolishness. To say, look, we I was friends first. I knew him first. And, and he just needs, oh, there was a movie that came out years ago, uh, Julia Roberts' movie. And the the woman... My best friend's wedding was what it was called. Right. And the woman's best friend happened to be a man. Wow, it's amazing I remember this. Happened to be a man, and when he became engaged, she started maneuvering ways to get his attention because she knew all his favorite things. She knew what he loved. She knew what he liked. She knew what he didn't like, and she knew she tried to set that thing up. And what she was doing was nothing but witchcraft because she was trying to force him to do something to or for her without him really realizing he was doing it. She already knew him. She knew him even intimately. 
and she knew things about him that his fiance clearly did not know, and she used working against the woman. She came around in the end because, as all American movies pretty much are, there has to be a happy ending. But it was witchcraft. It really was her crafting ways to make him do what she wanted him to do. I mean, if she had loved him so much before, why didn't she, you know? But at any rate, it was, she was very selfish, and she was very um, very cruel in the things that she did. And everyone doesn't always get that chance to make that situation better should we do that. But you'd be surprised that women and men, even of age, can still play those kind of games. So it's best to just stay away from the folly altogether and just let your personality and let your character be one that is sweet and welcoming and that makes someone happy that they are around you, not, you know, oh, gosh, here comes that woman and she smells. And I don't mean smells in the physical sense. You know that by now, right? I knew a person uh, for a while, and they had such a, a bad habit of gossip that I literally avoided them because it was hardly a conversation we could have without them dropping a name and what that person was going through. And it wasn't a matter of, hey, Let's let's pray about this person. It was like, it's a shame this is going on. They need prayer. You know, whereas my Bible says if you pray in secret about that thing, you go in your prayer closet, that you can, you can make that thing change. You can work, you know what I'm saying? And all they wanted to do was be the first to know about it. And the kind of questions that she would pose to me were, uh, what is the word? She was prying like looking for information because she wanted to be the first to know. Um, yeah. What do you think about this? And, and, and She was very crafty in how she didn't make it so that it seemed like it was gossip, but it was. So I avoided her because to me, you know, and I didn't realize this until the Holy Spirit checked me on it, but I avoided her like you would avoid a skunk. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and said, she's not a skunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew exactly what he meant because I've only had an encounter with a skunk one time. And I was walking in the woods with uh, at that person, with a person I was actually with at that time, having a, a vacation day. And there comes this little skunk coming out of the little brush, and we both froze. <laughs> Something this big, you know made us both freeze. It was like you would thought he had guns, you know, machine guns. We might as well put our hands up. <laughs> yeah, he has a gun. Man, I'm telling you, I just, I, I, we kind of just slowly backed up and just slowly walked away. And that's how I saw this person. I saw this person as so foul. You know, even though this person was, um, loved the Lord. And, I mean, had a strong hand on the word, but that was just a flaw that she had. It was a fault that she had. And she wasn't in a position where she could be checked on it because everything doesn't, we, we weren't close. You know, we, we, we didn't have, that wasn't the nature of our relationship. We just happened to both be working in, on the same project. And I just, you know, just kind of saw in a distance, like, oh, hey, how you doing? And I would make sure I would pick up my pace and keep going. I'm like, I'm not going right. to sit down with this person. And so, just as that thing about her was, it, it out, outweighed all her wisdom and her honor, and, and no matter how much she loved the Lord and, and how much she was an example, when you talk to her personally, what came out of her mouth sometimes on a personal level was nowhere near the person that she, that we all hoped she was. So 
I don't want it to ever be that we as women have something about us that is foul, that smells, that is, you know, wrong in, in, in that. This is not a God thing. Now, there are five things I want to tell you about scent. Using this this analogy, and one is fragrance is your indelible signature. Ten women can wear the same fragrance, and it will smell different on each one. And what I mean by this on this on on that's that's maybe your body that we're talking about, and so that's a good keynote to understand. But your character, your character is your signature. It's not what you look like. It's not um, what you. You know what is the word I'm looking for? It's 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 not how you dress. It's 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 not even the kind of work you do or how educated you are. It's really your behavior. You know, it's not even your personality because you can have a flamboyant personality or a quiet personality and still have poor behavior. You can still be ill-mannered. You can still be you know mean. You can still be unkind. It's it's that's what makes your fragrance your signature. That's what that's what people. Pick up. That's what they smell in their spirit. If you smell good to them, if you smell bad, it's all about how you behave. If you are a kind woman, if you are sweet, if you are thoughtful, if you are uh, a woman who just practices being wise, you know, you may not say a whole lot. You may not go a lot of different places. You may not have a worldwide experience of all the countries that you travel. But if you are a person that can be dependable, someone who is trustworthy, someone who is respectful, that kind of person, people don't mind your fragrance. They don't mind that the perfume of your character. You get what I'm saying? Right. The second thing about perfume or perfume and oil, um, oils, which I already mentioned, cause fragrance to linger as scent notes scent notes tend to evaporate quickly. And this in extending the analogy again, your personality is not enough. It's not enough to just have a great personality, to just be kind and sweet and nice. Some of the nicest people I've ever met were people who were empty. Some of the sweetest, kindest, most thoughtful people were people who really weren't going anywhere because they didn't really follow in, in the, the Lord. They weren't strong in spirit. They did not spend time in prayer. They did not spend time in the Word. And because of that, all they had was, well, she's really nice. It's not enough for you to be nice. That's just like putting on perfume. The perfume's going to evaporate. It's going to dissipate. People are going to forget your kindness. Trust me, they will. But it's something about when you pattern your life in such a way where prayer is so key in your life that when you do show kindness, people know it was an act of God. And as a result, what happens is there's power that comes forth when you do something. You want the power of God to be displayed. You want people to make a connection with the spirit of God inside of you, not just the fact that you are nice or you are kind or you are sweet. It's not about you. Some of the most uh, powerful people that I've met who were full of the spirit and full of the word, they're not very open. They're not very friendly. You know, they'd rather be by themselves. <laughs> they're even shy, you know, sometimes. Right. And it's not that that's a bad thing. That's just who they are. But when it comes to the power of God, I mean, they may not want to sit with you and have a conversation. You may think, wow, he's rude. She's rude. She, she doesn't even talk. But when they get up there to preach or teach the word or witness to someone, oh, they're bold as a lion. they got the word coming forth strong. The love of God is, is exploding out of them. You can't mess with them when that anointing is flowing, right? 
but that has nothing to do with their personality. Right. You need to combine. Just as you combine perfume and oil, you need to combine your personality with the power of God in you. They need to be combined. So it's not enough to just be a strong person and weak in, in, in spirit where you're empty of the word, empty of knowing the will of God, empty. And it's not enough for you to be full of the word and, and, and have the power of God, know how to flow and anointing and, and yield to the spirit. But then when it comes to you personally, you are rude to people. You are um, dismissing of people. You are cold or curt, sarcastic. Those are the things that can mess that up. And when people see you like, wow, he's great in the pulpit, but wow, I, I don't, you know, it's kind of hard to be around him when he's not wearing a suit and, and, and got a Bible in his hand. And you, you never want that. You have to have the combination of the two to make the effect more powerful. The third thing about perfume is that perfume does not do well on dirty skin, which I alluded to that before. So, if, you know, I've been out there working in my yard, which I intended on videotaping from my little garden today because I've got green beans, I've got cilantro, basil, tomatoes, cucumbers, salad greens, and kale greens growing. All in grow bags and pots. Have to be creative. And if I spend that time out there and I'm working in compost and I'm working in organic soils and all the other fun stuff and it gets all over me and then I see my husband coming and I want to come and spritz some perfume, no, 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 no. We all know that's not going to work, right? We know that it's not going to work. He's going to come in and say, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> he won't say anything. <laughs> Just give me that look like, hmm, okay. <laughs> My husband's very kind, of course. <laughs> but he's also hilarious, so something's going to come out of his mouth. You know? uh -huh. <laughs> Which I appreciate. But I have enough sense to know. If I was a child, I wouldn't know that. But I'm not a child. I know better. I don't put perfume on my body when I'm dirty. And we should not allow the dirt of our sin to be something that's not dealt with and just expect we could just start praising the Lord, going to church, read a few scriptures, and we're fine. We have got to be repentant. We have to have a repentant heart so that when something comes up and the Holy Spirit tells us that we're wrong, we need to stop it. We need to say, okay, I'm not doing this. Otherwise, you go to church and you still got, got, got that sin going on, that sin is still there. You know what you did. You know what you said. You know what you thought, and you know you were wrong. I like that. You know what you did, you know what you said, you know what you thought, and you know you were wrong. I like that. I like that. I can't remember that. But, but, but we won't repent. Here's what we do. And here's how we spritz on perfume on a dirty body. And we spritz on supposedly praise. We get up there and we want to praise God and sing the songs and all of that, but we haven't repented. Here's what we do instead. Well, nobody's perfect. God, thank you, Lord. You understand. Well, hallelujah, God knows my heart. Well, I'm in process. These are all the lies we tell ourselves. Right. When actually you're just putting perfume on a dirty body, you've got to be cleansed with the blood of Jesus. You have to confess that sin, and you have to stop that sin. You have the power of Christ. It's not like you can't stop. It's not like you can't stop. Through Christ you can do all things. So putting perfume on a dirty body doesn't work. And trying to conduct yourself and perpetrate a fraud, pretending that everything's okay and you haven't repented, it has an effect. It has an impact. It has a smell. It has a stench to it. 
just as perfume on a dirty body smells horrible, so does you up there praising God, ministering, or whatever it is you call yourself doing, and you haven't repented. You're not clean. I want to show you a scripture in Psalms right, right quick. I've only got a couple more minutes before we go into question mode. I want to say it's Psalm 25, but this wasn't in my notes, so I'm going from memory here. I want to say it's Psalm 25. And since this particular Bible is the one that I don't mark up, I don't have any little cues to tell me where it is. <laughs> um, I'm not seeing it, and I'll probably come right back to it. Hmm. I'll see it. I'll find it later and send it to you. I'll send it text to you. But anyway, what it's saying is, who who shall ascend into the mountain of the Lord? It's basically saying having a clean hands and a clean heart. It has it's being clean. That's what oh here it is, Psalm twenty four. Ha 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 ha. Verse three and verse four and verse five. Okay. Who may I told you it was right here. <laughs> who may ascend you, Lord? Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. So it's very key that we keep clean hands and a pure heart before God because we want nothing more than to see him. We want nothing more than to be close to him. That is the goal of of our lives. That is the goal. I want to see him. I want to see him, I want to see him, I want to see the Lord. That That's what I want. I don't want anything to get in the way of that, not even me. So for me to continue to pretend that I'm okay and I know that God has dealt with me about something, that's that's bad. You know, and sometimes we pick and choose what we repent of. We repent of the thing, you know, like the other day I I, I confessed to my husband how I saw a situation and he and I were, were, were walking one night. Well, it, it wasn't that dark, but it, it was dark by the time we were almost home. And there were some skateboarders who had passed us by. And you could tell by how they looked at, particularly, you know, with all of the tattoos everywhere and the, and the hair that looked like a garden growing on top of his head and, and the crazy, crazy, crazy clothes. And they looked like clowns. And my thought was, Lord, they must have really gone through a lot to want to have to be noticed that much, to want to be that different, to want to be that. And I just, my heart went out to them. And so as we were walking, they went around the bed, and we couldn't see them any longer, but I could hear that one of them fell. He fell, and he was hurt. And by the time we reached him, it was so dark, all we could see was their cell phone light on, and they were trying to, his two buddies were trying to assess, you know, him to see how hurt he was. And my thought was, these guys are probably, possibly dangerous. They might try something because it's so pitch black dark. And as we got closer to them, all I could think about was my safety. And I'm going back to growing up, and you know how to be streetwise. You know how to prepare yourself. Brace yourself, get yourself in, in, in a mind to, okay, what's going to happen here when we pass these guys? Why are they still stopping here? Why are they? And the Holy Spirit told me this because I was hurt. But my mind is still saying, wait up now. Why are they just standing there? You know, why are they waiting for us to pass them? And 
I never did come out of, out of the protective mode. I never got, got out of that mode. I just went passive, and I'm still listening for them behind me, still watching them, still, you know, checking, that kind of thing. Not paranoid, but still just being aware and alert. You always got to be alert and aware of your surroundings. So after a while, they, they overtook us and passed us by right when we were about to get home and found out that they live right in our community. I thought they were going to go to the parking lot and get in their little truck and go. And as it turned out, they live right in our community. And I felt bad. I like, wow, these weren't some, you know, guys from, from that I'll never see again. So the next morning when I woke up, the Holy Spirit just dealt with my heart, and I was convicted in that I never stopped once to say, are you okay? I could have shown them the love of God. I could have offered to pray for them if they would have allowed me to. I could have even said, hey, I'm first aid certified. Can I just have a look at your wrist? You know, because I could see when he was holding his wrist, that's, that's where he was hurt. But I did none of those things. All I could think about was me. And so I had to repent of that. Now, it's real easy to repent of that and, and tell everyone and confess that fault, right? But how about that fault that you are really ashamed of, that you don't want anyone to know that right. you did, that if anyone knew it, you knew they would, wouldn't be able to get that out of their minds, and you don't want to be labeled as the one who did this. And so we keep those kind of sins to ourselves. But the problem with it is that we still need to confess it. We still need to repent because it gets in the way and it makes our praise and our worship and our service stink. It, God's not receiving that. He's not accepting that. No more than if, you know, you were going to a restaurant and they served you a dirty fork to eat your food. If you're not going to eat with that, who would? If you could see that it's dirty, who would? So it's amazing that we just say, you know, well, God understands. Yeah, you understand, and you better understand, too. <laughs> you better understand who he is. That's who ascends into the into the high place, the hill of the Lord, who stands in the holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. We have to keep it clean, keep our hearts clean. The last thing I want you to know about perfume and oil is that oil does not work on dead skin. We think that we can put on moisturizers and put oil that will make the dry skin go away. It doesn't work like that because the oil is literally going to sit on top of it. And it may start to sink down depending on the type of oil it is, how thick it is and, and, and all that, how much fat is in that oil. It may eventually sink down into that skin and and do some 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 good. But in all actuality, until you actually remove the dead skin, ergo exfoliating, or as we call it, scrubbing, if you don't get that dead skin off, the oil is just going to kind of just end up in your clothes and everywhere else you touch when you want it on you. So you have to take the time to exfoliate. You have to use a washcloth when you bathe. You have to, you know, all these things sound real practical. But on the spiritual side of it, you need to exfoliate from your spirit, from your soul, your old habits, your old ways of thinking, your old ideas. You know, the things that you keep excusing yourself for, you have got to let that go. Um, when we've been alone for a significant amount of time, we could be very, very unaware of some of the bad habits that we have developed. We can have some very selfish ways, you know what I mean? We could have some, some ways that are not uh, acceptable publicly. And because we're alone, nobody knows, nobody, nobody sees, nobody cares when actually it's a danger in being alone too much. I mean, God sets the solitary in families for a reason. 
because the more alone you are, the more you kind of become accepting of what really isn't acceptable because it's just you. There's no one there to call you on it. There's no one there to check you on it. And so when it comes time for you to apply the oil of the anointing, the oil of the spirit to, to, to do the work of the Lord, there's something that it's not sinking in. And you find yourself ineffective when it comes time to be a witness to others or even to present yourself to that future husband as a woman of God. He doesn't get it. He didn't see it. He didn't see the depth of it because the oil of the anointing doesn't sink in because there's some stuff in you that has not been dealt with. Case in point, before I got married, <clears throat> I want to say uh, it was a couple of years of, no, it wasn't a couple of years. I want to say a year of true preparation. Before that, it was just things that I noted and studied about, that kind of thing, but really a year or so. And then it got more serious a month before I even met my husband. And what God was showing me is that the way to prepare for marriage is to release yourself of the things in your past that you're still holding on to. And so old relationships, old fears, things that you've had since you were a child, you know, you have to say, God, I, and, and God will walk you through. He will take you scrub by scrub, stroke by stroke, step by step of what needs to be removed from you. He can do it, you know, and if you let him, he'll show you exactly how to remove these things. I mean, what if it's just a bad health habit? What if you have poor eating habits? All this, we're dealing with our bodies. What if you just have a a terrible sleeping pattern? You know, you live alone, nobody cares that you're up half the night watching TV and, you know, then you sleep for four hours and you get back up. Some people have terrible sleep habits. Imagine getting married and you keep getting up every night disturbing your husband's rest. That's not going to work. So those things like that, it may seem like a simple, small, trivial thing. It could be a big deal when you get married because now, look, I've always been this way. Like, for example, for me, ever since I was uh, adolescent, I tend to once a month, if you know what I mean, once a month I have to sleep with something on my back. So every month I sleep on the couch. And it's been that way, oh, my goodness, since, like I said, since I was 12. So if I couldn't sleep on the couch, I would sleep in a chair, you know. Not always, not always. Only when I was just restless and I needed something, I would have to sleep someplace different. It didn't really matter. I could sleep on the floor, you know, as long as it was something different than my regular bed, that's just how I was. I had to experience something, because otherwise I wouldn't be able to sleep. When I got married, well, that was kind of like, huh? <laughs> What's wrong? Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I had to learn how to I tried my best. It was physiological, use a big word. It, it wasn't really uh, something that I could help. You know, it was it was really physical, you know. And I would just say, and I learned how to get better with it just out, of, just out of being kind to him. But I still have moments where I try and try, like, I really got to sleep on the couch. And here's the funny thing. Now he does it sometimes too. <laughs> so we know if you can't sleep, just go downstairs, sleep on the couch. And it's just a matter of now, okay, now I understand it's not me. So it's, it's a matter of communication at that point. Um, and not just, look, this is me. You've got to understand. you got to love me the way I am. No, you have to make an effort to show kindness. And we, we, when we read in Proverbs about the virtuous woman, the law of kindness is on her lips. So we have to practice that law of kindness as women. Otherwise, no matter what we dress up ourselves, 
dress ourselves as and however we, we try to present ourselves, our fragrance says it all. So that skunk, again, that I mentioned, he's a cuddly little, little creature, this beautiful black coat and shiny. Oh, he's so soft-looking and just a cute, cuddly thing. But his his scent, and even though I've never smelled one, I smelled one before that was dead. It was hit by a bus, and it was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so, here's the thing. I didn't have to smell to know that it stinks. And if our reputations become one of a poor sense, that guy, your future husband or, or any guy for that matter, he won't want to come around that if, if, if he's even heard about the skunk called you. <laughs> so don't be a skunk. Don't 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 be foul. Don't don't have a poor character. Don't leave old things behind. Don't be unrepentant. Don't do all those things that make your fragrance and your the person that God wants you to be appalling. Not to God or appalling to anyone else. Be the sweet, kind, wonderful person that God intends you to be. And as a result of you making an effort to do, just like you make an effort to bathe and, and perfume your body, and they made that effort of six months of oil and six months of perfume to get them ready for the king, you have to get yourself ready. But if you have some fears, if you have some issues, if you have some anger, if you have some bitterness, if you have some things about men that you can't stand, you're going to have to get past that in preparation. And if it takes you a year, fine. we got a whole year to work on this. But our goal is to get you 100% ready. Spirit, soul, and body. So next week we're going to be talking about your spirit. And there's just a, a, another note is um, our next meeting is going to be May the 9th, I believe. Our next in-person meeting. And I was going to do in that's order. Oh, yeah, that's in-person May 9th. Huh? Right. That's okay, May right. 9th. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> So my goal is to um, bring in professionals who are professionals in their field for the wellness sessions that we're going to do live. It's just kind of hard to do a wellness session by video. It's just not the same as you doing it yourself. Um, so I want to take time to pray uh, about this word that we've received, and then I want to open up for questions. Lord God, thank you so much for using this simple analogy is something that we may not think too much about, but, Lord God, it is, it's, it's key. You mentioned it in Scripture again and again. We want to be as the woman who spent her life savings to purchase perfume to anoint Jesus with, to prepare him for his burial because she believed in him, whereas no one else believed that he would die. No one else wanted to think about him dying. She just decided, I'm going to not only believe that you're going to die for me, I'm going to prepare you for your burial. And it was such a sweet, wonderful thing that she did. Lord, I want to be like her. We want to believe what you say and act on that belief in any sweet, kind way that we can to show our love for you. And the greatest way we can show our love for you, Lord God, now is in how we live for you. So make us, Lord God, to understand the importance of being a sweet fragrance in your nostrils and to, 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 to be as flowers in your garden 
that the world can come by and experience the fragrance and want to know who the gardener is. We give you praise and glory for this word, Lord God. We thank you for this time of preparation, devotion, and prayer. And we ask, Lord God, that you give us the strength to go to the next level in you, the next place of glory, that we can be even more effective, and that when we do embark into the next place that you have in, our, in your plan and purpose for us, marriage and ministry or whatever you have for us next, Lord God, we are truly honoring you in every step of that, before, during, and ongoing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of marriage. Thank you for the beautiful, beautiful gift of marriage. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are in charge. You know everything, and you've got this thing down. We'll give you praise, Lord God, in Jesus' name. So now, we have time for questions. You back there over in the corner. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody's here. It's just me. I'm alone. I'm alone. Alone. How do you like my hair? Pretty cool. I do like it. I was going to comment on that. Guess what I did? I learned how to make my own flaxseed gel. Oh, did you? Yes, yes, yes. And it is fantastic. It holds better than all the eco-style of other gels, and it is so soft. Oh, my goodness. My hair feels like baby hair. Literally, it feels like baby hair. I absolutely love it. So I um I put it in a soap dispenser because it's very goopy, very mm-hmm. thin. It's not like the the gel that you can put on your finger and no, it's really slimy. So I put it in, right. a, in an old soap bottle and just pump it out, and it's a lot easier to handle. And oh my goodness, and I just did like eight flat twists. Cause my hair, I it, it won't. If I don't do that, it's it's not going to work. But oh my goodness, this is fantastic. Flaxseed gel, just a quarter cup of flaxseeds, which I got from shoppers in the international section. They're like 75 cents a pack. And that one little pack, I boil it in two cups of water, and I put in like whatever oil I had, coconut oil, grapeseed oil, uh, vitamin E oil, and a little bit of um, uh, I use a couple of essential oils just to give it a fragrance that doesn't have any scent. And, man, my hair is so soft. Oh, my goodness, it actually holds all day long. And I actually had my hair for three three days. I just put a scarf on it like you have there, and it just it worked wonderfully. But, oh, actually, I, I can actually stop this call, can't I? Yeah, I can't do that. Um, yep. But not the video part, only the call part. Did I do that right? Let me see. Technology. I'm trying to end the recording. Let me come out of this audio with you for just a second and make sure I do this right. Stand by. I mean, I'm still here. I just can't see you right now. Oh, okay. I can see you, though. You can see me? <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Uh-huh. I just need to... Let me see. I, oh, I need to sign back. I'm, I'm, I'm already in. I'm trying to. Um, where did it go? 
I'm trying to end the recording. Otherwise, it's going to keep recording indefinitely, which is weird. <laughs> Let me see. But it, it, oh my goodness. And C E R E. And. I'm already signing. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, there we go. Now I'm going to end. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.